I had a like, I've been here two years now and I had like a realization earlier this year that there are some days that I go without talking to another woman at all. Welcome back to I'm the Villain. Um, So today we're going to be talking about women in leadership, basically. And we're talking with Taylor Mount, who has a really unique job. Taylor works in construction management um, and... She also has her own podcast. We love having podcasters on the show, um, as you all know. So, um, Taylor, why don't you just give, you know, a couple sentences about who you are, whatever you want the audience to know about you, that kind of thing. Yeah, my name's Taylor. I work in construction management, like Isabel said, and um, I live in Sacramento. And when I say that, like, I work in construction management, people picture laborers out in the field like they ask me if I'm like wielding a hammer all day long (laughs) Um, which is funny because I feel like part of that narrative like why people think that too is because like our generation was so pushed to like go the college route that like what we view as like you know if it's not like a traditional like college degree career, then it sounds like it's like manual labor. Um, but anyways, regardless, what I actually do on the day to day is um, manage the different trades. So like we're the person that people would hire when they like want to build something. And then we hire the electrician, the plumber, all the different trades and coordinate actually building the building. So I'm not the one building it, but I'm coordinating the people who are. Um, So do you ever go into the field or do you work in like an office or something? Yeah, I'm usually um, on the site in a trailer. So I'm on a unique project right now where we're working downtown Sacramento um, across from the governor's mansion, (laughs) if you ever visit. Um, But we're building like a a five-story apartment building and um because downtown's so cramped we rented out an office space so lucky me i get running water and a regular toilet and everything (laughs) so (laughs) do you usually have to like use the porta potties on the site um you know uh, usually trailers now will have a bathroom in them but they're run off of like a water tank so like if your guy doesn't come to fill the water tank that week you might have to flush the toilet with a water bottle or something. So (laughs) it's very interesting. It's so, uh, so, you know, construction overall as an industry is only made up of like 9% women. And actually that's higher than I would have expected. Well, of that (laughs) 9%, well, you got to think too, that's for all construction companies. So Mm -hmm. that's any construction company. Like we're still like a regular business. So we have admin, we have HR. So of that 9%, I think is something in the 40 to 50 or 40 to 60. I can't remember the stat. I was just reading it the other week, but in that 40 to 60% range uh, of women who work in construction, they're all in like admin office roles Mm. instead of what I do on the job sites. So I I previously worked for a really large construction company. That's actually, it does work internationally too. Um, And there was definitely a lot more women working there, obviously, because it's a larger company. Um, But then I moved to a smaller company here local to Sacramento. And um, 
I had a like, I've been here two years now and I had like a realization earlier this year that there are some days that I go without talking to another woman at all. It's so different. Like the bigger companies are definitely more aware just because as you grow, like you get more media attention. So you have to have more things in place, right? Like especially construction, if anything like goes wrong, like the media's there, right? Normally when you hear about something happening on a construction site, it's not good. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, they have to have like a lot more policies in place and you're just pulling from a bigger pool, right? Like now you're going to get more diversity just because you need more people. So now working at a smaller company, it's like really highlighted what parts of the industry, I mean, the majority of the construction industry is not made up of large companies. It's made up of like really pretty small, you know, mid-sized companies that aren't, they're not building like a billion dollar project or arena where they're building like a Wendy's. But, you know, for me now, I work with a lot less women. Like I used to be on a project where out of 25 of us were women, which was still obviously that's not great, but it's better than one out of, I uh, I would say our stats now, like of 60 people in the field, four of them are women at the company I'm at. Of the other percent of people that I work with, I would say 90% are white men. And that includes like people that we subcontract out to as well. And so like changing from a larger company to where I'm at now, you get a lot more people that are like not as sophisticated and construction as a whole is like really behind and just like everything I would say. Like I work with, there's a company I'm working with right now where one guy has an AOL email address <laughs> and the other guy has a Yahoo. Like they work for the same company and they don't even at least have like a Gmail for each of you. <laughs> like what is this an AOL? Like I didn't even know you could sign up and still get an AOL email. Um, so on top of like, and like they will come in and instead of emailing something, they'll come in and then they hand me a folder of papers. And I'm like, great, I have to scan these into a PDF now. But like they don't even email. So it's just so behind. And it's interesting to see like the construction is such a large industry. And politically, the AGC, the Associated General Contractors um, Association, they are, I think, like one of the one of the top five lobbyist groups in America. So like and we're considered essential workers too throughout the pandemic, which to me I'm like, I am building a, a mid-rise luxury apartment building. Like this is not essential. I'm not providing mm -hmm. a service to the public that people need right now. And in fact, I'm building apartments where likely the studio apartment is going to cost $3,000 a month. Yeah. Like, and it's because of the AGC lobbying and, you know, there's the other side of it too, where we're keeping people employed. And so, and there, there's a huge, there's like, you know, obviously a lot of lower income people that work in construction because of the entry level and accessibility to jobs, you know, and it's those jobs that people don't necessarily want to do all the time. So, um, but yeah, it's just very interesting in my industry and being who I am and really highlighting, like, it's because I am in a metropolitan area, but the industry I am is very white, very conservative. 
obviously very male. And I think it just kind of highlights like what is going on in our country right now. You know, it's interesting to see like the side of people that are like pushing this industry to like make money and then the people that is like hurting on the way too. So did you, uh, when you were going to school, did you go to school to work mm-hmm. in construction or is that something that happened? Like you made that decision after school? Um, no, my degree is construction management. So. Nice. So you always wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, not always, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, it was my major for basically all four years that I was in school. Um, and I considered switching, but you know, I don't know about you guys, but by the time I was like, uh, you know, two thirds of the way into it, I was like, let's just get this done with. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what made you want to get into it? Um, I was thinking about studying physics um, when I was first going to school. That's what I applied to school with. Um, and then I just thought the career prospects for physics sounded boring because <laughs> it was mm-hmm. like research or teaching were the, basically the main two. Now physics to me, I'm like, that sounds so interesting, but you know, everything happens for a reason. So, um, I was like looking for a different major that would be like, I wanted to be able to talk to people every day. Um, and so I found construction management on the list and it sounded the most interesting at the time. And it was, and it's, it is cool. Like there's certainly awesome things about construction that I've learned that I sometimes end up taking for granted as far as like, you know, how to get water and power and utilities to a building, like how to actually things come together. Like how can you build even, you know, a, two-story building and like all the things all the components that go into it so you know I know what goes into a wall I know how like things get built (laughs) and sometimes I just take that knowledge for granted now because it seems so like second nature in my day-to-day but you know then I'll be like talking to like my friends or other people and you know they just like I have no idea how we have water (laughs) running water (laughs) but we did a water infrastructure episode and after listening to that conversation i'm like yeah exactly (laughs) i'm like it is actually crazy that we have running water because it sounds like all of our water infrastructure is totally fucked (laughs) (laughs) and uh, i don't know when they rebuilt on top of but basically the original city of sacramento was too low for the water table and there's a river running right through downtown so it was flooding all the time. And that was like in the 1800s. So they just decided to build on top of it. So literally like the sidewalks in downtown Sacramento, they would call them like floating sidewalks. Because if you were to go underground, there's like walls holding them up and they're literally floating like tunnels everywhere. Because that used to be the old like city streets underneath. Yeah. <laughs> and like there's some buildings where we just raised the street level. We left the building but raise the street around it. So you'll see like a window cut off and like the rest of it's underground. Damn. <laughs> yeah. When we were, when we were doing the water infrastructure episode, Shane, our guest was like, yeah, I mean, most of the time they don't take out the old piping. They just build around it or on top of it or, you know, through it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it just yeah. feels like at some point, this is all going to come back to bite us in the ass. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> And we really don't go in and like fix things or change things, especially because of like 
how local governments are run too. Like the city would have to pay for all that stuff, right? And cities don't like to pay for a lot of things. Um, so like on the project I'm doing now, there's like a whole alleyway where there's a ton of old infrastructure. Like we're talking, it's probably been there since like maybe the 1800s, like early 1900s, like pipes that every time we would drive over this one water pipe, it was just bursting. So they'd come out, they patch it. And then eventually we've had, we've run into so many issues with it. The city's like, Oh, we need you guys to replace that now. And like the owner and the developer has to pay for it. Cause the city is like, we don't have money, but we need it fixed. So mm -hmm. they just make, you know, developers pay for it. Um, but yeah, it's just crazy to see some of the infrastructure that is still like working today. Um, like, you know, things that were installed hundred plus years ago that are still like working and functioning and sometimes not so well, but good enough. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. So when you were like, when you originally started going to school for construction management, did you uh, foresee slash were you aware of like the gender dynamics that you would be facing? You know, no, like it was all, it was definitely always like a topic of discussion. And I, my graduating class, there were like six women out of 60. So it wasn't, it was definitely like apparent, like there's not a lot of women in this industry for sure. But to think like, especially when you're at university, like, I feel like that there isn't, in my experience at university, there wasn't a lot of dynamics around that of like being a problem or navigating that like people aren't competing for promotions when you're in school you know or just like your work your dynamic is you're there learning you're not working together in every day in a work setting and work is so weird too where you, we spend you know almost I think more time more awake time at work than we do at home or in our personal lives like you know if you're working a typical 40 hour a week job it's likely that you're spending more time with your coworkers than you are with your family or friends and um so i would say no it was never like an obvious thing that it was going to be an issue to me you know and i'm sure that's because i i was very naive then too to anything like that and just um and i was getting so many perks in school because there are not a lot of women in construction. So there'd be like women orgs that want to help women get into construction. So I was getting a ton of scholarships that were available to me. Like some even like reaching out because they didn't have any applicants for female. Like it was for women in construction and they had zero applicants. So they were like, can you please apply? So <laughs> it was like almost the opposite to where I was getting a lot of advantages of being that minority in school in that group. And then now switching to a working field, especially working for such two different company, like very different companies um, and to see how that dynamic plays out. But even like at the first company that I worked for, who's huge, it, it was very interesting time too, because, you know, I graduated 2016. Um, so obviously later that year, um, Trump was elected and um, 
people are asking, like we had a whole like company panel and, you know, someone raises his hand and asks like, would we build the wall? You know, and the corporate answer is, well, let's dance around that and try to distract. But in short, if we're getting paid. <laughs> then, yeah, we're building the wall. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it it's so awkward, but like, you know, it, it's so weird because the construction is so connected to like our government and inf- infrastructure, obviously. So a lot of the projects, especially if you are doing public works, like you can be, you know, think of like the Dakota pipeline, you know, there are contractors building that and it's, it's so tied to the politics for me. You know, when I'm in one of my existential moods, I'm like, I'm building a super expensive apartment complex that's, so there's like a fee that, um, so the cities, I think most cities have this, but the city of Sacramento, there's like a, if you're developing new housing, there's a certain percentage of that housing that needs to be affordable, or you could just pay the fee and not have to build any affordable housing. Because the city's happy because they get money. Yeah, DC does that and, too. Actually, yeah. actually, I don't know. And, I don't know if you can pay a fee to get around it, but I know that you have to have some percentage of it. Yeah. So I'm working for a developer that, of course, is like I'm trying to build expensive luxury apartments. I don't want affordable housing near it. You know. So of course they pay the fee um, to get rid of it. And like I said, Sacramento is not. It, it shouldn't be. So we don't have Bay Area wages, right? But when you, so you would think our rent should be a lot cheaper. Well, this apartment, they built a new one across the street that's already being rented out. And those studios, and it's not considered luxury. And those studios are going for like 2600 a month. So these studios in this new luxury apartment building are going to be going for like 3000 And I'm like, who can even afford to live there? And who are we? And we're building this in the middle of a pandemic. And so I'm literally working to like make these rich people richer. And, you know, it just goes, it has me questioning to like my own values. Like, I love this. I honestly think this industry is fun because you're building things. You know, I, I think how you get like more women or more diversity in, in an industry is visibility. Um, and that's super important. So it's also hard on me to like, on the day to day, be dealing with, you know, microaggressions and then also feel like what I'm building is just totally not aligned with my personal values and ultimately probably hurting. Like there's gotta be like, where's the threshold of where housing is going to start to be affordable again? Like we just keep getting higher and higher and higher here. Like when, when is it enough, you know, that when are we going to reach that tipping point that, and how are we able to be building apartments that are going to rent at $3,000 a month? It's hard to feel good about that as your job. And then also get all the pushback and just the mind, you know, they are microaggressions. It's minor, but it adds up, it builds up. So over time, it's like, what, you have, you know, we only have one life, so it does really make you question things. <laughs> um, you know, and the status quo, like of why are we, of how we even run and like do business, like construction overall is so competitive. 
And it's about like who can do it the cheapest, the quickest, and um, not even the best, you know, most of the time. And yeah. so it's so cutthroat. So people don't care because they only care about the money and like getting the business. Like they'll do anything to get business a lot of times. And a lot of times because companies have to do that to survive. That's why I'm really surprised when you said that most of the most construction companies are actually smaller because I would have assumed that because, you know, contracts are super cutthroat like that and you have to like figure out how to do it the cheapest. I would have assumed that the only companies who could do it that cheaply would be the ones that are really big. And then that would force all the smaller actors out of the market. Is that not how... Like, how is it the case that they're able to be so many smaller construction companies that stay alive? So when you look at even like some of the larger projects, like um, I'll talk about the, I think they're the Atlanta Falcons, their new arena. Um, So that project alone was built by four different contractors and they were very large contractors. And that all has to do, you know, I won't get too technical, but like with the contractor's bonding capacity, like if they fail to perform their bank, and bonding has to like back them up um, to transition the project and everything. So when you think of like most things that are, I mean, most people aren't building arenas, right? Like you maybe have one arena per large city, like most of the projects that are, so it it probably is the case that like, you know, the top, whatever 10% of large companies are probably doing like 70, 80% of the work. But that's only in dollar value, you know? So when you look at like smaller projects that are happening, like your corner Walgreens or like your renovations to McDonald's is like renovating everything, you know, they look and bid that out to like the cheapest. And that usually means they're the leanest and like smallest outfit. You know, the smaller the company, the smaller their fee is. Yeah. Um, And like the bigger companies, like they don't need to go for contracts, like renovating a single mcdonald's or something like yeah that. and even if they did their fee would be too high like they wouldn't get awarded anyways because like the larger they get the more they charge basically to their customers so like i when i think about this 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 kind of like the the problem that we've been talking about around like women in leadership positions a lot of a lot of the way that i think about how to handle that is like you know so much of it revolves around people who are in positions of power in a lot of these organizations giving up power, essentially, to have there be more diverse people working in these organizations, right? Because like we we've we've seen, you know, tech companies and other industries put in these like diversity quotas or whatever, where they'll like hire a bunch of like women in HR or like marketing and stuff like that. And Obviously, I don't think that's what people were really envisioning <laughs> as being the solution, like the end game solution to that problem, right? Um, and so to me, it really seems like the only viable like solution in which women and, and, and other minorities actually have more real power in terms of shaping these structures and that are you know, that have all the power basically in our society, whether it is like construction companies or Congress or whatever, right, requires like women to just go off and like make their own construction companies, make their own law firms, like make their own, you know, studios, right? Because like, you know, if if you're just going to wait for casting directors and like, you know, whatever to like 
cast you in more more roles and like you know the people you know it seems to me like that is just never going to people are not going to give up their power fast enough for the progress that we're looking for right like if you want more women coos all these like white male coos are literally going to have to step down Uh right (laughs) so like yeah that to me is just like the only solutions that i have been able to kind of come up with to this Uh you know but i'm curious as to what your thoughts are around you know given that you know you work with what three other women in your 60 person team right like do you see there being a viable way to get it to be more diverse and and maybe like is it even something that we should necessarily aspire to like should we even like should we be fine with some industries just being male dominated and some industries being female dominated like maybe there's just not a lot of women who want to work in construction i don't know you know yeah yeah i definitely i uh, i think about this a lot um because, you know, it, it's like the cart before the horse. Is it like, do we just need to get more people into this industry? And are they not interested in it because it is women are not interested in it because it is male dominated? Or is it because or is it male dominated simply because women aren't interested in the industry? Um, you know, and I think. I think it's more so that there's not a lot of women here that there aren't more women because of you know, our, what society, even, you know, look at the toys we give children and how gendered those toys are, you know, and not necessarily, you know, we don't know, young girls don't know that they shouldn't like, like Legos, like, (laughs) or things like that, you know, so minor. So I truly think it's more, and I also don't think like women as a demographic are like, that that consistent enough like women are so diverse and there's so many different types of women um so i don't think it's that the industry just that women wouldn't be industry in interested in this industry especially too because like most people just don't know what the industry entails like my day-to-day job is like planning coordinating scheduling Uh, you know, managing a lot of finances and solving problems. Like when you look at it that way, it's like, you know, if you look at it from a traditional role, like women are great at just doing those things in the household, you know? So um, I definitely think it's just because of the visibility and not attracting women too. But um, I think your solution is kind of right. Um, that you kind of do have to go and create the space that you want to embody versus waiting for that space to open up. Um, You know, but it is tricky because like, I don't think we should just allow companies to exist to where they can be that monogamous. And like, too, from like a business standpoint, if you start to do any research into companies that are more diverse and more inclusive and have more women on their boards, their bottom line actually does better than companies that don't because, you know, then you're just thinking the same way. So all the fish are swimming the same direction. No one's going to question, even if there's something that is negative, you're like, oh, yeah, we all do it this way. Like I hear it so often. And it's so funny. I'll tell us all the time. Like you can meet two plumbers who have been in the business for over 20 years and they both been doing it a different way 
But they'll say like the same, oh, I've been doing it this way for 20 years. And it's like, well, another guy has been doing it a different way for 20 years and is both working, but both of them are like, I won't do it any other way. So that just goes to show, like, like I mentioned earlier, I'm working, there's a company that I'm working with now, they have the AOL and Yahoo email address. You know, if there's no challenging involved in your day to day, then honestly, the innovation is stagnant. You're making less money than you could be. So I try to talk about it uh, to people, to men that I work with all the time from that perspective, because sadly, it's easier for people to see how it affects their pockets. They're more, you know, they're more interested in hearing that than it just being the right thing to do. Um, you know, and I do hear that all the time, too, that we're like, well, you know, we want to hire someone that's the best. Like we don't want to hire them based off of like any other criteria. And it's like, you don't realize your unconscious biases when you're hiring, you know? Um, so it's just, a, it's such a, it, you know, people feel challenged. They don't like to feel challenged. They don't, people don't like to be wrong just in general. And it, it, I think it truly like comes down to like the psychology of it all. Like it's all explainable. It's not all excusable. Um, Taylor, thanks so much for sitting down with us today. I yeah, your perspective was super unique, so it was definitely dope to have you. Um, question we ask everyone is, what are you doing to like stay sane and or busy during this quarantine? Aside from working, because yeah. you work all the time. <laughs> yeah, um, gardening. Gardening has been. Uh, I mean, I found it that as a hobby before the pandemic, but um, I think my garden grew like times three this year because of it do you have like a literal outside garden situation yeah nice i feel like we're we're seeing like a lot of like people getting a ton of plants but i don't feel like i've seen a lot of people being like oh yeah my garden my literal garden is popping right now (laughs) yeah it was in the summer now it's a little too cold here i got a lot of lettuce though (laughs) nice um yeah so uh plug your show take this time oh yeah so uh, I co-host a podcast called Honey and Heart um, with Jacqueline, and we talk about all things womanhood and leadership and more. So you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and our website is honeyandheartpod.com. Nice. And as always, if you like what you heard, you can find us at I'm the Villain Pod. That's our Gmail. That's our Twitter. That's our Instagram. Otherwise, bye, everyone.